Have you ever wondered what it means to love your neighbor as yourself? Is it even possible? Can we even do such a thing to love someone else as much as we love ourselves? What would that look like in action? What would that really mean? How does that work? Today is Tuesday, August the 14th, 2018. And this is Emerging Daily. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. You know, Jesus, in quoting from the Torah, tells us that the two greatest commandments are to love God, basically with all of our being, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. And he says something peculiar. He says the second is like unto it. And so he's putting the loving of the neighbor on an equal um, plane with loving God. He says the first is to love the Lord your God with like I said, basically all of your being. And then he says the second is likened to it, and, and, and he says it's to love your neighbor as yourself. The first he, he's quoting from Deuteronomy. The second he's quoting from Leviticus. And so he's saying basically loving your neighbor is loving God because if it's equal, if it's on the same plane, you know, if you took algebra, but if A equals B and C equals B, then A equals C. So... He's saying loving your neighbor is just as important as loving God. And not just loving your neighbor, but loving your neighbor as yourself. That blows my mind. I don't know about you, but, you know, I've sat and really thought about this. Um, you know, I had I, I went through a, a time in my life, which I'm just now really beginning to come out of, where because of some of my own mistakes and because of uh, systems and and various things, I was flat on my face and, and had to gradually pick myself up. I had a few people who, who helped me uh, get back on my feet and to stand. Not I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about um, in every possible way <laughs> that you can think of. But during this, during that time, and like I said, I'm, I'm just now emerging from that, but I've had a lot of time to think. And one of the things that, that is, has been at the forefront of my mind is what is love and what does it mean to love someone as your own self, to love your neighbor as yourself? What does that mean? I mean, think about that. It doesn't say love your mother and father as yourself. It doesn't just say love your children as yourself. It doesn't just say love your cousins or, or your uh, uncles or aunts or grandparents or just the people that you happen to like. This is love your neighbor as your own self. Man, that's that's deep. I mean, think about that. Loving someone else as your own self. That is 
that's just deep. I mean, that means that I'm putting this other person's needs, this other person, even their wants on the same level as my own. That is not something that we see in in the world. We don't see that. There might be instances of it every now and then, but as a as a whole, as a rule, it's just nothing that we come across even in our religious lives. It's just not there. You know, there's people that, that do try to help other people, but they don't help them to the same degree that they would help them if, if it was themselves that they were helping. I mean, think about this. Really think about this, that someone else... If I'm if I'm in my daily life and I come across somebody who is in some kind of a need, it doesn't even have to be a major need, but even just a small need. And I've come across them in my daily walk. Don't even have to go out of my way to to um, run into them or, or to come across them. But in just my regular daily routine and there's somebody that I meet on the street or pass by uh, when I'm getting gas or. Uh, even the, the attendant at the gas station and to be made aware somehow that they have a need or even a desire, even a want that I could put myself out there and help fulfill that need or that want as, as, um, delicately, as ferociously as I would do it for my own self. (laughs) That is, that blows my mind. I mean, I don't do that. You might do that. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm the only one who doesn't do it, doesn't get it, doesn't walk in it. I mean, I've never seen this, not fleshed out, not physically fleshed out, not in my lifetime. I've seen bits and pieces of it. You know, my mentor, the guy that uh, took me under his wing and was my pastor and, and um, somewhat of a father figure and my best friend, um, you know, he did that in, in ways but he wasn't even there. He wasn't there. I mean, he wanted to be there. I would love to be there. But he wasn't there. I'm not there. And if you're there, let me know so that I can come and, and burn some incense outside your window or something. Because I do not see this. I've never seen this. There has never been anybody that I've ever come in contact with or ever been made aware of who has done this. Now, Mother Teresa, yeah, she did some great things, but did she really do it to the same extent that if it were her own self? I mean, I've never met the woman, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, people can say things about somebody that, you know, we can magnify what other people do to an extent that we blow it out of proportion. And it's good if we do it for something that's good, because so many times, especially in these days, if somebody does the least thing wrong, we blow it out of so much proportion that... We don't even know that they ever in their whole life ever did anything good. But has anybody ever really walked? I mean, you know, we say Jesus did this, but, you know, I've never seen it. I've not seen this to really go out of my way to meet someone else's need to the same hot, messy degree that I would do it if it were for my own self. With that much compassion, that much passion. To be that passionate about meeting a need or a want or a desire. I mean, it's just, you know, if I, I love myself so much that when I want something, I'll go out of my way to try to get it. And I don't think I'm the only one. You probably do too. But to do that for somebody else constantly, I mean, live is, this is a standard of living, not just some, uh, platitude. This should be 
how we are every day, every minute of every day to be so into loving our neighbor as ourself. And first, you know, let's talk about what is love. What does it really mean to love? You know, yesterday I, I mentioned the book, and we'll get into some of these books. Uh, I read a whole lot, so I love books. But there's a book called God is a Verb, you know, like a noun or a verb. God is a Verb. And it was written by Rabbi David A. Cooper. And let me just share with you what he says. He says, Kabbalists say that love is based on a yearning for completion, to be whole, to be in harmony, to be connected, and to be free. To be whole, to be in harmony, to be connected, and to be free. All of us want that. I mean, if we were honest with ourselves, all of us want that. Every one of us wants to be whole. We want to be in harmony. We want to be connected. We want to be free. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about love. A lot of us may be familiar with that, but I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. But it says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score on the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And of course, he finishes this by saying love never fails. Love never fails. But how many times, how many times do we give up? We get, you know, another place, uh, another translation says love is patient, long-suffering. How many of us, I'm, I'm very impatient, especially when I'm driving. I really have a hard time with people who are slow, who are in front of me, because I'm always in a hurry. I mean, I, I try to fit as much in my day as I can. And so I'm always in a hurry to get somewhere. And somebody in front of me going, you know, right at exactly the speed limit or a little bit below the speed limit just irritates me to no end. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not driving in love in that respect. Now, I'm not trying to run over them or knock them off the road or anything like that. But, you know, I'm just being honest here. I mean, I'm not very patient when, where that's concerned. And to me, that's very inconsiderate. You know, that's another part of love, being considerate of others. You know, if you're just driving around, just, you know, taking your time and you're just enjoying the day and you like to drive and, you know, I've been there. I know what that's like, too. But when somebody's behind you, you need to at least go the speed limit. I mean, that's just consideration. If you're going to turn, put on your signal and let somebody know before you get right there and then you turn it on as you're turning. I mean, that's not being very considerate, is it? Be considerate of other drivers. I mean, Jesus said one time you don't know the signs of the times. Well, some of the signs of the times is when you're going down the road and you see a sign. And let me tell you, I can't show you this sign, but just picture this in your mind. You're driving down the road. There's two lanes. There's two lanes going the same direction, okay? But then there's a sign and there's a picture. One of the lines goes straight. The other line is sort of curved and it gets smaller and it gets closer to the straight line. And then up ahead, you see one of the lanes is ending. Guess what that sign is there for? That sign is there to tell you which lane is supposed to end because it's not always the one on the right or the one on the left. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. That sign is there to tell you. Well, to be a considerate driver is to pay attention to what that sign is so that you know which way you need to go. Do you need to get over in the right or do you need to get over in the left? And to be considerate would be to get behind whoever's over there and not try to push them out of the way. So, you know, it's things, little things 
like that when you're at a checkout counter. Have eye contact with the person behind the register. Smile at them. Because I've been on both ends, and some of you probably have too. And people are just trying to hurry up and get out of the way, and you don't even have time to breathe, and they don't either. And sometimes we all just need to look at each other and smile and recognize the fact that there's a child of God there. And that's my brother. That's my sister. And really, when it boils down to it, that's me, and that's God. And let's breathe a little. Let's smile a little at each other. Let's have compassion and consideration for each other. You know, it's so easy in this political atmosphere to forget a lot of these things. We get so caught up in, in the economy. We get so caught up in, in the, what my little group um, wants as far as laws passed or, or changed. We get so caught up in who the, our party is wanting to, to win this or that election that we forget to walk in love. You know, and then sometimes we have a a person who's running for an office and they try to take advantage of the fact that, hey, I go to church and use that to be the reason for you to vote for him. I mean, you know, are you voting for him to fulfill the duties of that office in the right and best way? Or are you voting for them because they're a really good Sunday school teacher? You know, really think about these things. What is best? Because, you know. Just because somebody goes to church, just because somebody teaches a class, just because somebody is a Boy Scout leader or or a Girl Scout leader or the Sunday school director, doesn't mean that they're going to be a great politician. Doesn't mean that they're going to be a great commissioner or um, somebody on the city council. Doesn't mean that they'll be a great governor. Doesn't mean that they'll be a great representative at the state level or at the federal level. You know, think about these things. Just because somebody is really caught up in church and religion doesn't mean that they need to be making laws of the land. You can't run the government like a business. You can't run a church like a business. Well, these are just things we need to think about and to consider. Because really, it's not just your considerations that are important. It's those of your neighbor. It's those of the person who feels totally left out of society, totally banished from society. You know, Jesus said it at one point in, in referring to a king who has come to his throne, and he's got these people there in front of him, and he says to to them, to some of them, he says, look, you know, you came and visited me when I was in prison. And they said, when did I visit you when you were in prison? He says, if you did it to the least, you did it to me. And he doesn't listen to this. Now, this is something that a lot of times people of that claim to be people of faith you know, they don't really get what he's saying here. He said, when I'm sick, you visited me. When I was naked, you visited me. When I was poor, you visited me. Those are all things that in Jesus' day were related to being cursed. If you were poor or naked or destitute, sick, a lot of times they thought you were cursed by God. You had done some kind of sin to cause that to be on you. And he said, when I was in prison. He didn't say, well, when I was in prison wrongly, you know, when they, when they put me in prison, but really I didn't belong there. Or they put me in prison because I was teaching about God. No, he just said, I was in prison. You remember what we just read in Corinthians? That love does not keep score of the sins of others. You know, think about that. If you've got a friend that's in prison or in, in jail, that doesn't give you a license to just for, forsake them. All the the good that happened in, in your relationship with them as a friend, all that past does not just go away or it shouldn't just all disappear. 
They need you now more than ever. And they don't need you to be there pointing fingers and saying, yeah, yeah, look what you did. Look where you are. They need you to love them and they need you to come and talk to them and laugh with them and help them to really begin to feel like a person again. Because when you're in that place, you don't feel like a person. You don't feel like anything. You know, think about how this minority group or that minority group might feel about the law that you're really trying to get passed. How will that affect them? Not just how does it affect me? How does it affect my family? How does it affect my uh, relationship with my wife or my children? You know, would the law even affect your your relationship with your wife? Really? I mean, would it really affect you that much? Would it affect you at all? Would this particular law affect your marriage in any way? No. Many times, no. Or would this particular law affect your ability to keep uh, amassing any amount of wealth? Many times, no, it wouldn't. It's just the fact that you don't want to see these other people get helped for whatever reason. Is that really love? Oh, but the church should be doing that, not the government. Really? I mean, really, what is, where do you come up with that? I mean, looking at the Bible, if you're trying to use the Bible as the, as the reason for saying such a thing, the church was the government at the time. That was the only reason they even paid tithes. It wasn't because they were doing it because out of the love of their heart. They were doing it because that was the, that was their tax. That was their tax was the tithe. And so the purpose, you know, he said that there may be meat in my house, he says, and, and, and uh, Malachi to bring the tithe to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. What was the meat there for? First, it was to meet the needs of the people that were that were uh, doing the ministry, but it was to help those in need. But that was a tax because that was the government. That was the government. That's what the king would use to do the to help the people with. And so for you to sit on some kind of high horse and try to say, oh, but the government shouldn't be helping people. That's the church's job. <laughs> That's a tax. And taxes are to help people. It's, you know, it's not just so that we can have half of the people in the state or half the people in the city working for the government so that they can have some kind of a job. It's to really help people and to help facilitate the needs of the community in whatever way that might be. So don't sit on some high horse and try to say, oh, well, I don't want my money to go in to help that person. Is it really your money anyway? I mean, listen, if you're going to claim to be a follower of God, then get it right. It's not your money to start with. It's not mine. You know, let's think through these things before we put all this crap out there and then still try to say that we're people of God. Is it your money? No. So trust God that he's going to have done with it what needs to be done. And yeah, you can vote, but still, it's all about helping people. It's all about loving one another. And Jesus said, this is how they will know. You are a follower of me if you love one another. Is loving one another really pointing out people's faults? Is loving one another really saying, okay, I don't want to help you? That's, that's the furthest thing from love that I've seen. We'll get into some of it more tomorrow. But I want you to, to listen to um, what James says. And then we'll look at First John. But in James, in chapter 2, in verse 15, he says, If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? What good is it, in other words? Then in First John, we pick up with the same, same idea. In First John chapter 3, in verse 15, he says, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And that word hate, really, if you look it up in the Greek, it really means to love less than, to love less than. It's not so much that you just really detest somebody or, or just hate them the way we normally think of hate, but it's to love them less than. 
Then in verse 17, he says, Whoso hath this world's goods, and sees his brother or sister have need, and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him. In other words, doesn't try to help. How does the love of God dwell in him? He says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So basically what he's saying, okay, you've been made aware that this person who even may be just on the fringe of your life, maybe they're just somebody, like I said earlier, that you just barely come in contact with, maybe just in passing. They're on the very far fringe of your life. But you're made aware of the need. But you do nothing about it, even though it's within your power to help at least meet that need. Is that really, are you really walking in love? Am I really walking in love when I just ignore it, act like it doesn't even exist, that that need is not there? Or even worse, if I say it's not my place, (laughs) whose place is it? Whose place is it? Oh, it's that person's father or mother, or it's that person's this or that. Listen, if God lives in you, if you are, you know, if you you are what we say we are, we're God indwelled, you know, the love of God is in me. Is it? Is it really? Is it really? You know, I don't want to get in more into this today, but tomorrow we're going to look at some things that Jesus said about having an evil eye. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, they put the evil eye on me? What is the evil eye? It's not what you think. It's not some kind of superstitious thing. But to have an evil eye, we'll talk about that and to what a single eye is and where he even got that. You know, Jesus didn't just make stuff up. He was teaching and preaching from the Torah, from the Psalms, from the prophets. So we'll see where he got that and what it means. So I hope somehow this help helps us all to begin to walk in love, to, to emerge in our daily lives closer to God, closer to one another, walking in love. And I hope you'll tune in tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee 37088.